Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> I didn't expect you to say good morning back. I don't know why that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I'm Chris Henderson. Uh, I use they, them pronouns, which Brad modeled really well. Um, I identify as trans and agender, so like not having gender. Uh, and I, as Brad said, I've been a member here for a few years now. Uh, the first Sunday I came here, we were on Baltimore Ave, um, and this person I had gone on some dates with invited me to come to church with her. Um, I was raised in church, and I knew she went to church, and so I wasn't opposed uh, to going, but the church that I was raised in as a kid was uh, pretty anti-gay. Uh, when I came out, I felt like I had to choose between church and God or being myself. Uh, you couldn't be openly queer there. Uh, Either you had to be actively trying to be delivered or else act like you had already been delivered. That's why I think uh, Mosaic is a really special place. It's the first church I've ever chosen for myself and become a member of. It's a place where I feel like I can come as my whole self and even stand here and preach. Um, my partner, Jean, and I were married here by Brad. And I, like most of you, have a lot of feelings about Brad stepping down. Um, but, you know, this is a really special place that I think will still be a really special place even after he's not uh, in the senior leadership. So, I am a lawyer and an organizer. I work at a place called Amistad Law Project. We represent people in prison, advocate for just criminal legal policies, and organize against incarceration and for alternative ways of dealing with harm. This series is about where people meet Jesus, and I chose to talk about organizing. Not the Marie Kondo does this spark joy organizing, <laughs> although I am a minimalist, and thinking about and talking about minimalism is like kind of my jam. The organizing I'm talking about now, though, is uh, sitting in meetings, connecting with people, trying to figure out how we can create a better world together. Imagine sitting in a room of 20, 50, 100 people who all care about working together to fight for something you care about. Clean air for our communities, the end of cash bail, how we can make sure police who kill people are held accountable. That's a really powerful feeling of connection and togetherness. That's one place where I meet Jesus. You all probably have some idea of what lawyers do go to court, read things, write things, meet with clients, but maybe you don't really know what organizing is. At its core, organizing is about building power to create change. There are two big ways of building power. Get a bunch of money or get a bunch of people. Power itself is not bad. Power is just the ability to act. People tend to shy away from power because we think of the bad entities that hold power. In my experience, that's things like big institutions that discriminate against people and big corporations that exploit their workers and pollute the environment. But there are also people working to take power from those entities and claim it for our communities. I'm going to talk to you a bunch about organizing, so it's important that we work with the same definition. How do we get power? As I'm talking about organizing, I mean working to get a bunch of people together, and we use that power to act collectively to help people. Jesus has called us to be organizers, to connect with one another, 
and fight oppression. Isaiah 1, 16 and 17. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from before my eyes. Cease to do evil, learn to do good. Seek justice, correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. Basically, Jesus wants us to help people who need help. God is saying that we can make ourselves clean by correcting oppression and seeking justice. I want to tell you what motivates me to be an organizer. This may surprise you, but one of the worst experiences of my life was going to prison. I wasn't serving a sentence there. I wasn't awaiting trial. I wanted to be a prosecutor, a person who charges people with crimes and argues on behalf of the state that they're guilty. So I was doing a clinical at the US Attorney's Office in law school, and as a part of that program, they took us on a tour of the Federal Detention Center at 7th and Arch. We went through metal detectors and were greeted by a lawyer who worked at the prison. We passed by the visiting room where people were visiting their loved ones, and it was full of mostly black and brown people. We continued to the mental health wing. The people there were kept in their cells all day and were banging on the doors and screaming. The man who was leading the tour told us that we shouldn't be worried because they were just making a scene for us. He encouraged us to look into the small glass windows on the solid steel doors to see what people were doing and how they were living. These small rooms had metal beds, metal tables, a chair, a toilet, a sink, a shower. As tiny and sterile as they were, these were people's homes. And this man was telling us to look into their homes like we were at a zoo. He continued the tour by walking us through the various incidents of violence that had happened in the prison in graphic detail. It felt like he wanted us to think about these people as violent and dangerous and ignore the oppressive conditions in which they were confined. When I left that prison, I knew that I could never put someone there. I had never heard of prison abolition, uh, which is the idea that prisons shouldn't exist. But that day, I started believing that people do not belong in cages, no matter what they've done. About a year later, I met a few people who are part of an organization called Decarcerate PA. They were planning a march from Philadelphia to Harrisburg, over 100 miles in 10 days, to protest the new prison that was being built an hour outside of Philly. I joined that organization and I marched with those folks for 10 days. Being around the same people day in and day out, sleeping on church floors, having little to no control over your schedule or what your day would look like beyond marching, it was really hard. But it was also really beautiful and humbling. So many people came together to support us on the march. People made us delicious and healthful food, People opened their homes and places of worship for us to sleep and shower. People gave us money to buy supplies, lent their cars to drive out supplies, and let folks rest in when they were tired. Marching for hours and days with people who, who also felt deeply that Pennsylvania could spend $400 million on so many better things than another prison was a moment of incredible closeness to God for me. And even though Pennsylvania finished building that prison, and even though so many people I know and love were moved from SCI Greaterford to SCI Phoenix over the summer, 
we cemented a legacy of anti-prison resistance that included people on both sides of the walls. That summer, or actually it was a little bit later than that, but uh, that allowed us to go on to create the Coalition to Abolish Death by Incarceration, or CADB. CADB had its launch here at Mosaic in 2015 and meets here on the third Wednesday of every month. Mosaic signed on to an open letter in support of parole eligibility for people who are serving death by incarceration or life without parole. I was a part of the founding of CADB because I believe that even people who kill other people should not die in prison and that figuring out how we can deal with harm and violence without cages will be an ongoing process that requires deep reflection and transformative change. But God doesn't want us to throw away people. And that's what happens when we sentence someone to death by incarceration. I couldn't do this work if I didn't feel like Jesus called me to do it. If it didn't feel enriching and heartening. Jesus wants us to help people who need help to correct oppression and seek justice. Ecclesiastes 4, 7 through 12. Again, I saw vanity under the sun, one person who has no other, either son or brother, yet there is no end to all his toil, and his eyes are never satisfied with riches, so that he never asks, for whom am I toiling and depriving myself of pleasure? This also is vanity and an unhappy business. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. When we work together, we are more powerful. God calls us to connect with one another. Connecting with one another is how our toil has meaning, how the work that we do means something, and how we can become more powerful. We can work to, to fight oppression and isolation. There are scores of activists who have no base, who work alone and do good work, but aren't actually connected to or accountable to movements. That is activism, and it's valuable. But organizing requires connecting with people. That's what God wants us to do to be that threefold cord. The Dream Defenders were formed in Florida after Trayvon Martin's murder in 2012. They worked to try to hold George Zimmerman, the man who killed Trayvon, accountable in the only way our criminal legal system allows, with his trial and conviction. But Zimmerman used Florida's stand your ground law to claim self-defense and was acquitted. After that acquittal, the Dream Defenders occupied Florida State House for 31 days until Florida Governor Rick Scott met with them and legislators agreed to hold a, he a hearing on Stand Your Ground. There was this beautiful and powerful moment of young black and brown people literally taking space that was meant to exclude them and people gravitated towards it. The Dream Defenders have chapters across Florida and multiple campaigns aimed at liberating black and brown people. They created a moment that people across the country were made to watch. They got a ton of press when they occupied the state house. People who felt like the case was over, Zimmerman was acquitted, 
they had to look at what that acquittal meant to young black people who knew that Trayvon could have been them or someone they knew. That's what good organizing does. It makes you feel connected to the issue. Jesus wants us to connect with one another. Connecting with people requires vulnerability. You can't connect with someone, or you can connect with someone by being radically vulnerable. Here's where storytelling comes in. In my experience, the easiest way to connect with someone is to tell your story with radical vulnerability. We love vulnerability here at Mosaic. There's this Brene Brown quote that I'm gonna read. Vulnerability is not about fear and grief and disappointment. It is the birthplace of everything we're hungry for. I'm going to model storytelling right now and then ask you all to take a few minutes to reflect on what calls you to connect to other people and work towards ending oppression in your life. I was raised by a single mother in a working class, all black community. I went to public school for elementary school through the fourth grade. I was in the gifted and talented program. It was basically for the smart kids. I had black teachers who told me I was smart and who hugged us at the end of the school day. Then my mom sacrificed to send me to private Christian school. And this was on her relatively modest salary. It was pretty diverse racially and it was better academically, but it was also a very different experience educationally. In one of my first history classes there, I realized that almost everyone in my class knew things I didn't. I knew that this wasn't because they were necessarily smarter than me, but because they had all learned these things at that school the year before. I went there through the eighth grade, and I didn't have a single black teacher. I don't remember any of my teachers there telling me I was smart. For high school, I wanted to go to boarding school. I had heard about Phillips Exeter Academy in a movie. It was the best high school in the world, and so I wanted to go there. I don't know how I had the self-confidence to believe that I could go there, should go there, um, but that's what I wanted, and that's what I tried to do. Um, I applied and got in and got a full financial aid package and spent four years there. It was one of the best and worst educational experiences of my life. Uh, best because there were so many opportunities and resources there, which isn't surprising when boarding tuition when I was there was over $30,000 a year. Uh, but worst because we were constantly fed this insidious lie that we all deserve to be there. Me, with my failing school and single mom and kids whose parents were CEOs of Fortune 500 companies and who were born into the kind of intergenerational wealth that most of us can't even fathom. I don't know when I realized it, but there was a point when I knew that there was something deeply unfair about our educational system. That two kids with the same potential could go to different schools with different resources and have vastly different life opportunities. That two schools in the same area could have different budgets based on property taxes and not on what students needed. That scores of brilliant kids where I'm from never had and never will have the opportunity to go to some place like Exeter. I don't do work around the educational system now, but it will always be the first, institu it will always be the first institution 
uh, that showed me the inequalities in our society. So thank you for listening to me today. Um, in conclusion, Jesus wants us to fight oppression and connect with one another because we're more powerful together. The best way I have found of connecting with people is by being vulnerable. And one way of doing that quickly is with storytelling. So now I want you to do some storytelling. I'm going to give you two minutes to brainstorm while you believe that we need to work together to change the world. Maybe you're part of a small group, part of PTA. Maybe you went to the Women's March. What has drawn you to connect with other people in your life? What would draw you to connect with other people to change problems you see in the world? The important thing is that you should be vulnerable. You should think of something personal. And then I want you to pair up and tell, and each tell your story in three minutes max. Don't pair up with your best friend or your spouse. Try and pair up with someone you haven't spoken too much before. So I'm gonna tell you when like the three minutes are up and then I want you to, to have 30 seconds to resonate with the other person. Like so if one person's telling a story and you were listening, I want you to resonate for 30 seconds. And resonating is not about giving advice or telling someone what they could do better or what they should have done. Uh, it's just about things you related to, um, things that made you feel something. And then you'll have three minutes to tell your story and they'll have 30 seconds to resonate with you. So basically it's like two minutes to brainstorm, three minutes for one person, 30 seconds for the other to resonate, that person has three minutes, then 30 seconds for the other person to resonate, which I know is like maybe a little bit confusing, but I am going to tell you the times as things are going on. So if that sounds good, you have two minutes to, to brainstorm starting now. Okay, now I want you to pair up. 
and you have three minutes to, for one of you to tell your story to the other. Okay, now I want you to resonate for 30 seconds. If you were telling your story, stop. An other person, resonate. Okay, if you were just resonating, now it's your turn to tell your story.
Okay. Now it's time for the other person to resonate with you. Okay, everybody, and that, that's the end of the time for that. It is really nice to see all of you talking and like really enjoying yourselves. Um, I don't know, but thank you. <laughs> um, I had a good time. This was, this was nice, and, okay, I should keep saying things, okay. Also, uh, thank all of you, and I think that, you know, it'd be nice if you guys, like, thanked each other, or, like, in some way, or, like, hey, thanks for being vulnerable with me, human, and also, thank you for listening to me. Um, so, yeah, but thank you, and also, one thing I did want to mention is that there is this thing called the People's Forum today at 2 p.m., at Congregation Rodef Shalom uh, at 615 North Broad Street. It's on the back of the bulletin, yes. Um, but basically, the city council races are coming up, and there are a ton of candidates. If you come to this People's Forum, you'll get to hear from some of the candidates about the issues that are important to us, um, and it'll be really awesome. There'll be like 1,000 people there. So, yeah, thank you.